welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it! Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Punch It. This is episode 30. My name is Charlene Schmidt, and with me, as always, is... Tristan Riddell. Hey, Tristan! It has officially been, oh, what, a week and a half now since House of Cards Season 5 came out. Uh, I'm assuming that you went through it, yes? I did, I did. I, I, I went through it, and I went through it rather quickly. We, uh, my I wife was just going to say, how many times? Uh, just once. Okay, same here. Just the once. I know that uh, by listening to Nerd Nuptial, I know a lot of your feelings on it. But we need to discuss it here, too, because I have a lot of feelings. And I have very confused, mixed opinions. <sighs> Please help. Yeah, there's a reason why I only watch it once. Because as some of you might know, before I had a child <laughs> and before I had way more response like way less responsibilities than i do now uh my wife and i watched episode uh, we watched season four twice in one weekend because we moved <laughs> things around like we we canceled a doctor's appointment we uh we had some family who were going to come up that weekend and we told them no let's move it to next weekend i'm not even making this up and just so that we could focus the entire weekend just on house of cards and we were so blown away by how amazing season four was that what we did was we after episode one of season four we podcasted about it did a full episode about just the first episode of season four and then went immediately back to it and started watching the rest of it and then we finished the show podcasted about the entire season and as soon as we were done podcasting about it a second time we went back and started it over again and we finished it twice in one weekend and with this season we finished it in two days, and we're like, I don't even know if I want to see that season ever again. <laughs> okay, first off, I knew that you and your wife really loved this show, but I didn't know that you loved House of Cards that much. Oh yeah, it's a dear, dear friend. It's like a, it's like that favorite uncle that comes every once in a while to the house, and every, like everybody loves Uncle Rick, and and you know, like he's the one who brings you gifts, and he's really cool to talk to, but you don't see him that often, you know. <laughs> right that's house of cards to us it's a very special occasion and so that when it does happen it's just oh my god yay happy times happy times and so right. yeah when uncle rick shows up and it's clear that he's been you know, like he comes to the house drunk and you're not really sure what's going on with uncle rick <laughs> you're like i think that is a perfect analogy <laughs> like, what the hell uncle rick <laughs> and suddenly it's not as much fun like he texts you, he's like, he's like, hey, I know I normally come to visit in late February, early March, but I'm not gonna be able to come until May 30th. But I promise it's gonna be worth the wait. We're like, oh great, okay, Uncle Rick's coming to town May 30th. Yeah, we can hold out. It's cool. It's gonna be a gay old time. And then all of a sudden he shows up, and uh, you know he's he's fine because you hug him and it's good to see him. And like right off the bat, it's it's a good time. But then all of a sudden he starts to drink more and more as as the weekend goes on. You're just like, I don't if I'm digging you being around Uncle Rick. That's yeah, hopeless. like he comes with that big bottle of whiskey and then as the hours, not the days, the hours go by and you slowly see that bottle drain, you're like, whoa, what is going on with Uncle Rick? This isn't good. 
that is how it that, feels and that's how i feel in a nutshell about season five of house of cards so for those who did not listen to nerd nuptial and your thoughts with the girl you guys were ambivalent about it in fact is it safe to say maybe you even hated it i don't, I don't like using the term hate because i feel like hate is a little bit yeah too strong and overused uh we were severely disappointed with yes. this season not angry disappointed I was frustrated more than angry. Okay, yeah. Frustrated is a very good word because I would say for three quarters, maybe even more of this season, I am just thinking, okay, we're building up, we're building up, we're building up. What is going on? What are all of the characters thinking? I'm trying to plot in my head their motivations to sort of guess where this is all going to go. And we get closer to the end and I'm thinking, there is not enough time to wrap this up. And then, spoiler alert, from this point forward, I'm sorry, but where was the payoff? There was not enough payoff for all of that buildup. There just, it was nothing. It just completely plateaued, petered out. And I'm just like, what the F? Yeah, I think I was talking with fellow host on the network, Lee Hutchison, and he, he put it pretty concisely where he said he's like, the whole season just felt like they were prolonging the storyline and that they completely ran out of gas. And hmm. one thing that he mentioned that I thought was was pretty apt was that it felt like a bottle show in Star Trek. Do you remember bottle shows where, <laughs> oh, yes. you know, like it was, yeah, it was, it all took place on the ship. And so it was a way to do a cheap episode and you didn't transport down to a planet. So you didn't have to build anything new. There weren't any, there weren't necessarily any crazy aliens. This season of House of Cards felt like a bottle show because 90% of it took place in the White House and 90% of that took place with two people talking on couches. It felt like they were just telling us what was going on instead of actually showing us or doing things. And it you was just such right. a late letdown. And this was the this was the first season without the creator and showrunner, Bo Williman. You think that's got a little something to do with it? I honestly, I think so. Because if you asked me during season four, because we talked a little bit about this in Nerd Nuptial, and I, I, I do recommend that everybody goes and checks that out because it's called, the episode's called One Nation Under Wood. And you can go to the nerdparty.com slash a nerd nuptial to check it out. But if you listen to what my wife and I said about season four, it felt like, because it was really mysterious as to why Bo, Mil Bo Williman was leaving. He said that he wanted to focus more on politics and see what he could do in real politics and see if he could, you know, inflict good change or something along those lines. I might be I might be paraphrasing. I know I'm paraphrasing here. Okay. But season four was so good and had so much new talent behind the scenes with writing as well as executive producing and directing. We kind of conjured up this idea that maybe Bo Williman felt like he was being forced out and maybe Williman felt like season four was kind of out of his control. And so he's like, okay, if this, if you guys are going to force people on me, then I'm just going to leave and I'm not going to be here for season five. But after watching season five, we kind of revised that hypothetical scenario and that guess, because that's all it was. It was complete guesswork. Cause I mean, we weren't there. We weren't in the writer's room, right? but we feel like maybe season four was, was just a drastic course correction from season three by Bo Williman. And then with him gone, he wasn't able to have that influence, of course, correction, because season five felt like a repeat 
of the worst things that happened in season three. Yes, this is precisely where I wanted this conversation to go, by the way, because season three had just this massive overbearing amount of dramatic melodrama. And season five does the same thing. And honestly, I I think season five is even worse because we were expecting such explosive payoff this season and we don't get it. Whereas maybe season three... You kind of feel like, oh, okay, things are still moving along. It just It's at a different pace. It's a slower pace. But then season four, now, of course, we have with hindsight, oh, bam, it paid off. It was so good. Now, season five, I'm just thinking, guys, you blew it. Yeah, that, that's what it feels like. That is what it feels like. It's like, oh, my, come on, guys, you blew it. You wasted your opportunity because so much great stuff was set up in season four, and there was no payoff. None. No, there really wasn't. It just felt like this electoral process was going on and on and on. And, oh my God, who's going to be the president? And how are we going to fight this uh, yet again and still? And just there was not enough consequence in the end. Like, we don't even know what freaking happened with the Conways. Well, that's so much like I don't really care about um, because I was so sick of the Conways by that. And we're not spoiling anything. I was so sick of the Conways by that point because we had like even though the Conways weren't in season three, we had election stuff within the Democratic Party for season three. Yeah. Then we had election stuff between the Democrats and the Republicans in season four and half half of season five was still about the election that started in season four. Right. And it even continues beyond that of just like, we're going to find a way to hack this thing in whatever means possible. And if this tactic doesn't work, we're going to switch it up and try this instead. I mean, it just went on and on and on. So we have five seasons of House of Cards and literally half of the time in House of Cards. So that's two and a half seasons have been spent on one election. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, granted, the stakes were high, but... I felt like the execution of it was just not intense in the way that we needed it to be and prolonging it just it just felt like a repeated stab wound. You know, can we just get this over with and make it die, please? Seriously, I'm I'm hoping that uh, and, and, and on top of that is that they are betraying their characters. They're changing their like they're not giving their characters an arc. They're changing their characters. There's a difference. Like, natural progression is great, but if you completely change them for either crappy reasons or no reasons, that's when you start to betray your audience. And we already have Frank. We don't need two Franks, and that's all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> and Uh-huh, because somebody else now, I believe, is at the top. And feels like Frank, and not just because that person replaces the stature of power or does evil things. It, it, it's just they, they now have the same character traits as Frank, and we don't need that. There is a reason why we have one Frank, because that's all that we need. So here's the thing, though, is that season three was pretty bad. Then you had a giant course correction with season four and arguably the best season of the entire show. I'm hoping that when we get season six, if we get a season six, which I'm pretty sure we will, that it will be a massive course correction from season five. And so maybe it'll turn out like the Star Trek movies where the, uh, <laughs> like, 
like the even ones are the best one i don't know if, if that that doesn't work though because season one's pretty awesome but you know what i'm saying yeah yeah no i do and <laughs> that's kind of funny i never thought of that possible parallel before and i do hope that you're right i am hoping because basically aside from those early reviews which got us so excited we were talking about them and raving about it on this show only to be let down i think the general reception has been just kind of meh yeah i looked up the general reception i didn't i haven't read any in-depth reviews or anything like that but i kind of scoured them as soon as we finished and it was pretty much the same thing that we've been saying is that it feels like the worst things of season three repeated yes so if they're gonna go through this pattern yet again we do need an explosive season six to get this show back on track back in everybody's favor to make it interesting again and i have to be honest i really don't know where things go from here i honestly i don't either i mean the only place that you go from here is death or like people need to die or the country <laughs> needs to be obliterated or there's like an, an apocalypse. I mean, I have no idea. I have no idea where they're going to go. And I've got to, I mean, when I think of an apocalypse or something like that, I mean, not only does that make me think of things like Walking Dead, but I'm also thinking, <laughs> is that too far? And with well, House of joking. Cards, I feel like it's iffy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be quite honest, it could. it's entirely possible, but it depends entirely also on what they were going to do, how they're going to do it, and why. Yeah, and it's just... At but death is a constant on this show. I mean, nobody is safe. Anybody can die. I mean, we had a character this season basically get <clears throat> to death. Like, he got gone girl is what he got. Yes, yes. Uh, so I feel like we should move on because the people listening, we I, I think we did a pretty good job of not actually spoiling anything. Yeah, that was tough, too. <laughs> that was tough, but I, I'm proud of us for doing it. And so, like, that that's our impressions of season five. I mean, like, it's if you're listening straight through these episodes of Punch It, you'll be able to hear our excitement in the previous episode and then, oh, just Yeah, now it's after. gone. I mean, it, we have hit the ground right now. I feel very depressed. But on the bright side, as we're recording this, Orange is the New Black. Its new season is on the horizon. Now, I know you're not into this show. No. Uh, and I'm so sorry, but I'm still very excited. And... <laughs> And it's okay. There's plenty of shows that you love that I'm just like, no, Tristan, just no. <laughs> what? Okay. What? We don't love all the same things. What are What are some shows that I've been trying to get you to watch that you were just like, eh, no. Ah, uh, okay. Well, actually, I think it's more movies. Okay, that you've been trying true. to get me to watch. Maybe not so much TV. I mean, you've gotten me to watch Gilmore Girls and things like that. But for the life of me, I can't get you to watch freaking BoJack Horseman. I knew you were going to so... bring that up. I knew you were going to bring that up because I watched. I watched like the first six episodes of BoJack Horseman, and I was just like, eh. Yes, I know, and it's it's a very I don't know, it's a very dark comedy. I know that doesn't appeal to everybody. And the thing is, though, is I, the second half of the first season really, like, speaking of Corf's corrections, that second half of the first season really puts the show on its course. If oh. you can manage okay. to watch the second half and you still don't like it, fine. The show just isn't for you. However, I've read countless reviews saying the first half is just okay. That second half, oh my gosh, now I understand why everybody loves this show. Okay, because I totally, I totally didn't make it to the second half. So okay. just, you, just you saying that pretty much guarantees me giving it a second chance. All right. Okay, I feel like I have accomplished something today. Did I ever get you to watch Parks and Rec? Did, did you watch Parks and Rec? Not yet. 
Not oh yet. my, that's the big one. Like you and John Mills, <laughs> I've been trying for years to get you guys to watch yes, Parks and Yes, yes, I knew that you were going to bring that up. Yes, it's on my Netflix queue. I just need to do it. I need to work myself up to invest in yet another seasons long story. I mean, that is what keeps me from watching a lot of shows is just knowing, okay, this is going to be a journey. Are we ready? And also, if my husband, Patrick, doesn't want to watch it with me, then I have to find the time to watch it on my own. And that's the really hard part. Like, Lost, I've been wanting to watch Lost for a long time, but it has not happened. I promised John Mills, who's a co-host on The Nerd Party, gosh, it might have even been two years ago now, that I promised I would watch Lost. It's still in my Netflix queue, and I'm on episode one. I'm so sorry, John. I I suck. (laughs) These things takes time with me, but eventually I get there, and I am always behind the curve when it comes to watching big, especially cult TV shows like Lost. And so I'll get there. Just give me a few years, (laughs) and it'll happen. But anyway... Orange is the New Black is coming out in a couple of days. I'm super excited for that. And so help me, if that season fails to capitalize on its excitement, I am going to kick Netflix in the nuts. Yeah. like I feel like a lot of people would be upset because after a very, very mediocre to low quality uh, season five of House of Cards, I mean, Netflix Netflix's two heavy hitters are House of Cards and Orange is the New Black. And Oh, absolutely. You can't have two crappy seasons of your top two shows one after the other yeah yeah and especially in this close of a time frame if they're both kind of like consecutive fails by and large by the public netflix you are going to be on some shaky ground and you better snap out of it all right well this episode of punch it has kind of been designed to be a little bit of a shorter episode but we wanted to rant we wanted to talk about season five of house of cards because we just couldn't we couldn't do it we couldn't not do it, you know, like we had to do it. Yeah, after all this time of talking about it, we had to say something. But also, I mean, it was a little cathartic because for you and me, aside from a few random texts, this is our first time talking about it together. It's true. It's true. Yeah, we haven't talked in depth, just like you said, just a text here and there. Last week, we did promise that we were going to talk about a potential spinoff of Netflix, whether that was a prequel, sequel, or ran alongside it. And we, I believe that we landed on focusing on Garrett Walker. That is correct. He was sworn in as the 45th president of the United States, is the former governor of Colorado. And so what we're going to do is write this guy's backstory and talk a little bit about his ascension to his presidency. Some big moments, maybe, of what brought him to his presidency. And so I've been thinking a lot, actually, about... Maybe not so much the actions that brought him to the presidency, but who is this guy? Mm -hmm. We have to define who he is, what makes him tick. This is going to be the central character, and so we have to figure out what is this guy's motivation in life. And, of course, we also need him to be a little different from Frank. A Mm spinoff show needs to have a different flavor with the same kind of spirit. And so, I mean, politically on that landscape, you've got the spirit. You know it's going to be dealing with Washington and politics and all of that. But his journey, I feel, should be very different than Frank's. Absolutely. And I I think I'd love to start there about the feeling of the show. The style of the show, the feeling, the verve. What type of show would it be? Because Better Call Saul is a very different show from Breaking Bad. 
Yes. But it still is the same universe. It's still created and and directed by the same people. And so it definitely is a companion, but it's not a twin. Right. Yeah, we can't have a clone, but we need it to be, even though this is a prequel, we need it to be a successor to the same format and style that yeah. House of Cards portrays. Now, right off the bat, my gut instinct is, is that Garrett Walker does not talk to the camera. I don't think anybody talks to the camera. <laughs> well, we were going to have to answer that question. And so my idea going in actually was, no, he was not going to talk to the camera until maybe the very end. I feel like season five has ruined that for me. <laughs> That's true. And so I can't endorse that. Okay. I feel like it is just Frank. Like it, it is Frank's thing and and now Claire's because uh, because of what we saw in season four at the end of season four. Right. It's an Underwood thing. It's an Underwood thing. Yes, there you go. It's not just a Frank thing. It's an Underwood thing. It's, it's this power couple who transcends politics and so can bust through the fourth wall. And I feel like Garrett Walker... This might sound silly. This might sound really silly, but ever since season two, Frank, if you notice in season one, Frank never uses the term you. He doesn't direct, he doesn't talk to the audience as an entity or as a person. Uh huh. You know, it, he doesn't do that in season one. He just informs this fourth wall. In season two, it gets much more on a personal level because he, he says something to the effect of, I really hope you don't judge me. You know, he said you. He addresses uh -huh. us as a person, and I think that's really interesting. And so he becomes a little bit more intimate with us as the seasons go by, even though he's spending less time with us. And so, like I said, like this might sound silly, but if Garrett Walker started talking to the camera, I feel like we would be thinking as we started doing a rewatch of House of Cards, why isn't he talking to us now? And why isn't he asking us if we can trust, if he can trust frank this is true this is true i like the idea of keeping that as an underwood thing for the very reason you already stated like they this is this transcends politics whereas i feel like garrett walker is going to be maybe a little more of a i want i don't want to say conventional politician because that makes him sound boring mm -hmm. but i do feel like he plays more by the rules yes I mentioned earlier, I, I've kind of been thinking a lot about the psychology of this guy. And so I'm thinking about things like why he entered into politics in the first place. I want to pitch a little something and see what you think about this, okay? Lay it on me. I feel like Garrett Walker is a much more innocent man than Frank Underwood. I feel like his ascension into politics was he went into it feeling like he really could affect good, positive change, went in with very good intentions, sort of like the classic, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington thing. Now, granted, he was the CEO of a company prior to politics, and so he had the money and the means to run a political campaign and eventually become the governor of Colorado. But that aside, because you do have to have, you have to be rich, unfortunately, to run for office. That aside, I think he went in with very pure intentions. And then the story, just in a nutshell, is either corruption going on around him or him slowly getting drawn into it. He is, I would say, a, he's trying to genuinely be a good guy, but politics is not clean. Yeah. 
I think that's definitely a recurring theme in most political shows and commentary yeah. is that anybody who is governing at that level is not innocent, is not clean. Right. You have to do something a little shady or more to get where you are. And so this is about a well-intentioned, clean guy, or at least he starts off clean, working in a very dirty profession. And how does that mm -hmm. affect him? What happens from there? I like that idea because there has to be, and this is going to have actually a lot of parallels to Better Call Saul because this entire thing, this entire journey is going to be, is going to have a rain cloud over it. Oh yeah, because we know how it ends. We know how it ends. With Better Call Saul, we know that he has to go into an underground witness protection program that's not even ran by the government. It's ran by mobsters. Not technically mobsters, but you know what I'm saying. And yes. It's not government WITSEC. It's a private WITSEC. That's how down the rabbit hole he is. Not only did he ruin his first law career, he ruins his second law career under a pseudonym so bad that he fears for his life and he has to go under hiding. And he goes from being a lawyer to being a manager at a Cinnabon in a mall. In Nebraska. No offense, Nebraskans. Yeah, no, no offense to anybody who works at Cinnabon. No offense to anybody who works in a mall. Yeah. But for someone who... It's an honest living. But that's not him. You know, that's not, right. that's not Saul. And so for him, that's a huge fall down. And so with Walker, we see him go from a CEO in of Pioneer Airlines. And then all of a sudden he gets elected to governor of Colorado two years later. Right? Or, wait, or is it two years? No, wait, wait. No, it's not two years later. Because he gets elected in 2012. He gets elected in 2012. So six years later. Yeah, he's yeah okay yeah so 2006 he's elected governor and then 2012 he's elected president correct right 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 okay <laughs> just have to get that chronology i know you, yeah yeah Ugh. so like just that's a lot of success in six years so six yeah. years of being a politician he is now the leader of the free world and then we yeah. know he resigns in disgrace two years later two years later so in eight years of him saying, I want to get into politics, he becomes the president and then resigns in eight years. <laughs> that is, I, I, okay, I don't remember the entire Obama chronology, but Obama was also a very fast rising star. He came yes, he kind was. of out of nowhere and had that presidential run in 2008 and got it and then had a successful eight years as the president of the United States. He did not have to resign, but it happens, I suppose. But I think uh, the higher you rise, the more you can fall. And so for, I think, a somewhat innocent, maybe even naive man like Garrett Walker, this was too much for him because he had no idea about people like the Frank Underwoods of the world who were just going to use and abuse him for their own personal gain. Yeah. And at least with Obama, he was heavily educated in the law. Yes. And... Walker is not. And Walker's not. He's like, he's the CEO of a company. And I feel like there's this new wave, even in our politics, in real politi politics, there's this new wave where it's just like, oh, you don't need to know anything about the law in order to be president. Like, if you're a CEO of a company, then you, you'd be good. And this happened even well before Trump. Like, we saw, like, tons of candidates come up where they're just like, oh, if you know how to run a company, then you know how to run a country. Well, we're yeah. really finding out the hard way that that is not true in the least. Yeah. Well, and we have to consider this is the most difficult job you could possibly freaking have. Even the most educated person, like Barack Obama, mm -hmm. there's a massive learning curve. There is a lot of responsibility, and you do not come out of it easy. Uh-uh. Nobody. Yeah. 
yeah, Obama was a community organizer, went to Harvard Law School, went to Chicago Law School, was a civil rights attorney, did, had a <laughs> legislative career, and then went on to the Senate. And, and even he struggled, guys. So come on. And so, like, he had all of this. And the reason why we're giving you Obama's backstory is because there's a lot of we, – we see a lot of similarities between Walker and Obama in the House of Cards universe. But even Walker did not have the background that Obama had. Yeah, he lacks the educational background. And uh, that, I, I think, in all aspects of life can really hurt you in the long run. But with such high stakes as a presidency – Man, no, you need all the freaking education you can get. And I think that can really play into the show, the spinoff, where it showcases his lack of political experience can really show why, like, why he's going to tumble down the rabbit hole, why he's probably yeah. not going to succeed, where he, he's a great orator. And so that gets him very far. Like, he can mm -hmm. inspire people very well. Yeah. Charismatic, like yeah. Obama. Again, exactly. a lot of parallels here. Tons but of charisma. But he cannot compete with those career politicians like Frank Underwood. Right. The ones that are willing to play dirty. Because that, I don't even think, really occurs to a character like Walker. And also, not to completely move away from Walker, but I think one difference that is going to help Walker succeed and keep his keep him moving is he's going to surround himself with good people who know more than he does. Mm -hmm. Or at least he thinks he does. Kind of like a George W. Bush in a way where try and fill some of the knowledge gaps a little bit uh, of things that maybe he doesn't have a whole lot of experience with doing. He has other people in there to advise him at the very least. And, and the difference is, though, is that Walker actually has some decent people. <laughs> Sorry, my political views are coming into this show. Can't help it. And that that's fine. That's fine. But with with this, I feel like that has to be that has to be a key component of this spinoff where right. it's President Walker, like he's smart enough to recognize he's like, I am not a career politician. I haven't been in Congress for 20, 30 years. I'm a CEO of a private airline. And actually, I don't know if it's private, but like it's he's a CEO of an airline. It's an airline. Yeah, and I'll just say that. And so, and then he's only, he's only been governor for like, I, well, he was been governor for six years. Mm -hmm. And so like, he, yeah, he has six years of running a state. It's Colorado. Yeah. It's not Pennsylvania. It's not Illinois. It's not Ohio. It's Colorado. But that's not going to prepare you entirely for running a whole country. I mean, it's a very different, it's like going from playing college sports to pro sports. You know, you might be really good at running a state, but when you're running all 50 of them, that's a completely different animal. And that's why he brings in new people and good people. And at least, and I think that's where some of the drama can come in, where he thinks he's bringing in good people. Well, sure, sure. Maybe some of them are not so much. And that also is going to lend itself to some of the side characters that we talked about last week, like Kathy Durant mm -hmm. and... Linda Vasquez. Yes, and her. And so... He's going to bring in people who know the drill a little bit better, who can acquaint him, help him with his learning curves. And then, yes, some new people that we do not know and can get into our heads a little bit and make us question, are they the good guys or aren't they? So it looks like in this reality, in the House of Cards reality, I think they're trying to say, actually, I don't know where the source is coming from because I'm on the House of Cards wiki and it sounds like Obama had his first term but didn't didn't pursue a second term right he only had four years in the house of cards universe for whatever reason it's never explained 
yeah, that's never mentioned in the show. So, like, the only president that we know that was mentioned is Clinton. Uh-huh. Like, only modern president. Because I know they talked about Carter. They talked about Reagan. Yeah, yeah. But they never talked about either Bush. Uh, we know that Clinton was in there because we actually see a photo of Clinton. We see a photo uh-huh. of Kevin Spacey and Clinton, which is a real photo. <laughs> and they just used it in the show. So we know that Clinton is there. But we've n- there's no mention of Obama. There's no photos of Obama or anything like that. So no Bushes, no Obama, just Clinton. And maybe Obama did have eight years after Bush had a s- unsuccessful four years. I mean, we really don't know anything. Oh, maybe yeah. That we yeah we don't know anything. All yeah. All we know all we know concrete is that Reagan was there and Clinton was there, and we can just assume that everything before Reagan happened the way that we know it. That's all we know. Yeah. Let's get back to the show. So it's about let's say like I think the show needs to be. I think he already needs to be governor, yes, in the show? I think so, yeah, because if you go any further back than that, it's it's going to be too much ground to cover. And honestly, I forgive me, I don't know much about being a CEO, but that does not excite me very much, about seeing him run a company. No, no, not like not with – for a House of Cards spinoff, no, you want to focus on politics. No. So it needs to be his rise to the White House. Yeah, I think you start with him winning governor of Colorado. Oh, you want to start with him as governor? I was thinking about like he's already he's already been in office from Colorado, and so like somebody comes to him, you should think about taking a mm. presidential seat because six years as governor, we got to. I oh maybe. But here's the thing, Tristan is maybe we I don't know maybe we don't actually see him become president because we kind of already got that in House of Cards. Maybe we just end the show with him, maybe either deciding to run for president or. You know, you go to election day or something, and we know what happens from there. So you cover those six years. The only reason why I thought about starting with him becoming governor is because of the parallel of him becoming president in House of Cards. Explain that. Expand on that. To have a nice little bookend of, of sorts. It's a beginning. It's a very concrete beginning. I think I might need convincing on that. Okay. Fair enough. I don't know if I have uh, enough to persuade you or not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So with me, I got to have Washington politics in there. And I feel like that is house of cards. Now I don't, I'm not saying that we need to be in the white house. Right. We're not going to be yet. No. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting to not be in the white house, to see an election, not in a white house, because, you know, like we start at the inaugural ball in House of Cards season one and everything happens either at the Hill or at the White House. And so I think it would be really interesting to see a grassroots campaign outside of DC, but still connected with DC. And if we start with him beginning of the governorship, like say, let's say that we're showrunners and we're like, okay, well we either end with him starting to run or we end with him actually winning. I really feel like we need to end with him winning. I think we need to see him win. The presidency, you mean? The presidency, yes. I feel like if okay. we don't, then we'd be cheating cheating the audience. Okay, so you want to start, what, maybe a couple of years into his governorship and then ending with him winning the presidency? What if we start with him being reelected as governor? Okay, that's a good idea. What if that, is that a fair compromise? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so because then, second term, I mean, the honeymoon's kind of over. You really have to show what you're made of then. You're not new to this anymore. Yeah, so he was reelected in 2010. He would have had to have been. And then elected in the presidency in 2012, took office in 2013. 
Mm-hmm. So I think that I think that would give us a nice cover. So we have so that way we can have two years and two seasons as governor. <laughs> and in that second season, he's already thinking about running. Like people are putting in the seeds. Well, like no, he would have to because that like the second season would have to be his election. So this would be a short show actually if we if we do. Well, actually. if you go with that chronology where one year is a season. That's true. We definitely we don't have to. You don't have to though. Yeah, because Better Call Saul is definitely not doing that. Nope, not at all. Not at all. And so we can make it go as fast or as slow as we want, quite honestly. Yeah, I think that's good. So we have two years of governorship, and that second year is him campaigning. Okay. Now, of course, we've seen a lot of campaigning in House of Cards. How are we going to make this different? I know. It's so true, because if if we wrote this before Season 5, I think we would be going headfirst into election mode we'd be like yeah sure Mm -hmm. we can talk about election and everything like that yeah but not anymore we're not not anymore it's 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 kind (laughs) of hard but i think we need to swallow our pride with that because this show has to be about that if we do the show at all and i feel like what we could do is basically this could be the this could be house of cards but from the conway's perspective yeah, essentially. Outside of the White House. Now, I'm not talking about a Republican. I'm just talking about Conway was yeah. a governor of New York. He's outside of the White House. Now, yes, did we see his perspective? Absolutely. But he was not the protagonist of the show. So what would the show look like if it was Conway in New York and somebody like he wins the governorship and somebody comes in and says, you should run for president. So, But we're just doing that from a Democratic perspective with Walker. With that character as the protagonist. Right. Yeah. And it might be kind of fun to explore a little bit. What are the differences between running a state and federal government? Now, that is not my line of expertise. I cannot bullet point those things for you. (laughs) But it might be kind of fun to have people who know a whole lot more than we do go through those things. Maybe there are some different challenges. Or are they very much the same? And like states are just little microcosms of the bigger government at large. I've got to be honest, I'm not entirely sure of the ins and outs of that. And so the writers of that show could explore that. And I would love to focus on the marriage as well. Because, I mean, like the the marriage oh, in House absolutely. of Cards is a big deal. Like Frank and Claire, their marriage is a big deal in the show. And I would love to see the Walkers marriage as well. Because we know that there was a lot of strain put on their marriage politically. And she... yes. She recognized that being a governor's wife was no easy ticket, but it was easier than being the first lady. And also we know that, you know, like when they went to counseling while he was president, they talked about how some very intimate things came out in therapy. I kind of want to know what happened. Like, what did they talk about? You know, like what what did they need to talk about? And could that have been rooted in the governorship? Yeah. Another thing in terms of the relationship is – Frank and Claire have a very interesting bond. Now, there's no doubt, at least at the start, they're committed to one another. They love each other. I want this relationship to be completely different where they are, you know, they've been married for maybe a long time and they are so massively still in love. Mm -hmm. But then things like careers are potentially putting that in danger. Yeah, I would love. Yeah, I want to see Whereas with Frank and Claire, their career is everything. And they compete with one another, which is the point. Because they, they've been competing since season one. Yeah. And I don't want to see that dynamic. I want to see a completely different dynamic with the totally. Walkers. And I'd love to see that. Like, I'd love to see governing Colorado 
in season one and then somebody putting in the seeds of him running in season two and then him actually running in season three and maybe it's just a three like maybe it's just a three season show i kind of like that idea like a nice three act structure and at the very end of the show the very end of the show i want a dos x machina come out of nowhere where who's going to save the day who's going to save this election and then all of a sudden we see those those two feet walking in the hallway (laughs) i love it that's kind of perfect yeah that's great because you can start off season one things are just maybe blissfully good yeah he just got reelected. things are going good at home he's on top of the world and then we see the slow descent you know, where mm-hmm. things at the very end of season one, maybe where, okay, there's potentially a little bit of danger involved or there's something threatening him Compromise. or he's compromising his ethics. He's compromising. his morals. Yeah, he's going down a slippery slope. Season two, things start to get a little more complicated. And then season three, he's got to decide which way he's going to go. What is he willing to do to earn the presidency? Right. You know, and so, bam. There is your very basic nutshell of this show. I think I think that's good. I was like, yeah, granted, we didn't get into the nitty gritty, but we have the bones of a show. So what we would love from you guys is to let us know what you guys would think of this show. What would you like to see in a President Walker House of Cards show? Would you watch it? What would you like to call it? Yeah, would you watch it? What do you think it should be called? Send us a note. Go to the nerdparty.com slash contact, select punch it from the drop down menu send us a line send us what you think you can also find us on facebook at facebook.com slash the nerd party you can find us on on twitter as well at join nerd party you can find us personally on twitter you can find me at the insane robin and you can find me at oh the profanity and so please let us know and as always please uh write us a review go to itunes Uh, we know they don't make it easy on you but please (laughs) take the time if you listen to our show it's free entertainment Give us a review, and if you give us a five-star review, we'll mention you on the show. All right, Char. Well, I think this is a pretty good bare bones of a President Walker show. And next week, I have no idea what we're going to do, but that excites me because I know that we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.